0: You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. Hello and welcome to Domecast. I'm Jordan Schrader of the News and Observer, hosting this week. And with me are Lynn Bonner and Will Doran, also of the NNO, and Colin Campbell of the North Carolina Insider, back after a couple weeks away. Uh, Colin, how was your trip? You were overseas during the last yeah, couple of weeks. Yeah, I got so in a we good uh, couple away. weeks
1: in uh, London and then uh, around the uh, countryside of Ireland. So I'm well rested and well traveled and uh, glad to have had two weeks to avoid redistricting and all the other fun stuff that was going on here.
0: Yeah, you missed a lot of fun. Um, so we'll talk about a little bit about redistricting on the show today uh, and some of the latest developments. We'll also talk about a new lawsuit against uh, the company that has been uh, pumping Gen X, the pollutant, into uh, the Cape Fear River. Um, And we'll talk about a bill that's awaiting Governor Cooper's decision um, that deals with uh, environmental uh, pollution, uh, landfills, uh, various environmental things. Um, but first, uh, Lynn, let's talk about the Board of Elections sending its voter data to uh, Donald Trump's President Donald Trump's uh, voter Fraud Commission. Uh, this was controversial a few months weeks or months ago um, because a lot of people didn't want their voter data sent. So what did they actually send?
2: They ended up sending the data that's publicly available, Um, you know, some of the stuff that uh, was in the original letter, you know, dates of birth and social security numbers didn't go up because that's something the public can't already see. Uh, But they also sent uh, kind of a a very detailed letter from... um, the director kim strack uh, detailing what the state already does or what her office already does in terms of investigations and they sent the investigative report that they um, released in april um, on last november's voting um she included in the letter a warning that said it's not so easy to find um, non-citizen voters because yeah because the databases don't always give you correct matches. Um, and she talked about the DMV database and the a Homeland Security database that sometimes showed false positives when, in fact, people who were questioned um, later showed documents that said, well, yes, actually, I am a citizen and I, I am able to vote. Um, she also uh, talked about um, the need for increased partnerships on cybersecurity. C- cyber um, uh, last week, um, the uh, New York Times reported that um, laptops used in Durham were sent to the state office to for checks to see whether um, Russians had hacked their voter, uh, management software. Um, a few months ago, the Intercept, um, uh, posted a report that said, um, National Security had found that uh, hackers had tried to uh, infiltrate um, the software of a company called VR Systems, and that's the type that um, Durham uses. You know, on Election Day, there was a huge breakdown in Durham um, regarding the the, uh, the electronic poll books. Um, for, this is basically the list of
0: people who are eligible, who are eligible to vote. vote right? So
2: when you go in and say, give your name, that's what they use to identify you and say, yes. You are this person, and yes, your address matches. Um, and there was uh, talk of going to paper poll books, and there was uh, a delay in voting. And you know, there was uh, an extension of uh, the voting in some, in Durham because of uh, because of those problems. In any case, um, there was a suspicion by some uh, outside experts that Durham might in fact have been hacked uh durham officials for a long time said no that's not possible it was just a it was just a, a a breakdown but um they have now sent their laptops in for analysis um to the state board
0: and do we know uh what the timetable is at all there is
2: no timetable um state board is moving its offices and so that's kind of putting a, a bit of a delay on things but um so there's no timetable but of you know whatever they find is going to be interesting
0: okay all right we'll stay tuned on that uh colin uh you wrote about the uh uh, bill that's sitting on governor cooper's desk right now dealing with a whole host of environmental things we kind of knew about two of the major things they passed in the extra session a couple weeks ago uh there was funding to take care of Gen X, which we'll talk about later, um, and there was also the end of the uh, plastic bag ban out
1: in the Outer Banks, but there's uh, there's more to it than that, which you wrote about uh, today. Yeah, this is a, like a 19-page bill uh, that surfaced, I guess, the final days of the uh, redistricting special session. It was really the only other bill that they tackled during the uh, two weeks they were here, other than the couple of veto overrides, um, and this had come out of some Conference negotiations, so some of these provisions had appeared either in this bill or in a different bill at some point in the session last year and just had never passed. Uh, But the key provisions in this outside of the ones that uh, on the plastic bag ban and Gen X that got all the debate uh, was one on landfill uh, regulations, which sounds kind of boring, but um, it's a big concern for both uh, county commissioners and environmentalists around the states because basically uh, what the bill would do would uh, prevent uh, counties from requiring that – solid waste companies dispose of waste generated within the county in the same county. So as counties currently can say, uh, if you're picking up trash from the city of Raleigh, you've got to uh, put it in the Wake County landfill. You can't take it five counties away and get a better price. Well, the uh, waste companies, including Waste waste Management, which I talked to, um, say that that sort of creates an unfair monopoly sort of situation and that they think they can get uh, perhaps better deals if they have the freedom to look else for where, for where the trash ends up, um, and that could in turn uh, lead to lower costs for their customers. Are there uh, counties that want to try to um, basically outbid their neighbors? Yeah, there's apparently one county, I forget exactly which one, that according to the Association of County Commissioners was in support of this, possibly for that reason, uh, and then there were about 11 or so that would be impacted because they've got ordinances in place. Uh, that require that the trash stay within their county and those ordinances would go away uh, if this bill becomes law. So that's a big concern for them because from the county's perspective they're worried that they don't have these mandates uh, they may not have enough trash flowing into their facilities to uh, keep the facilities financially stable and they're required I think to have some sort of uh, waste disposal facilities for their residents as part of a key function of county government. So they're worried about Uh, the financial impact to them if they lose some of this business to other counties that are are perhaps outbidding them on disposal services. Uh, So that's one aspect of this and then there's a couple other provisions that also have some concerns from some of the environmental groups and they all involve uh, river buffers so these are basically along some of the major rivers and their tributaries in the state you've got these uh, restricted areas where you can't do a whole lot in the way of development or sort of man-made activity Um, one of which involves the vegetation that grows there so there's a concern i think this actually stemmed from the city of burlington uh, about public safety issues along rivers owing to uh, too much dense vegetation so in burlington i guess there's a city park that's along the haw river and there were concerns that uh... the thickness of the plants and trees were making it more likely that criminals could go there and hide and sell drugs and commit other crimes so they wanted to uh, have the state giving their blessing to trim back some of the vegetation. Uh, so this would allow that uh, the law enforcement official responsible for any particular location could say, we think that this, these plants or trees pose a public safety threat, and even though they're buffer protected, we're going to take them out. Um, so that's something environmentalists, environmentalists are concerned about. They note that there's already a public safety um, exemption in the existing law, uh, but this would sort of uh, make it more extended so that you could essentially perhaps clear cut uh, some of the plants rather than just sort of uh, trimming them back. Uh, the other one involves walking trails, uh, and that, that one's specific, I think, to the Catawba River Basin, uh, allowing you to put in uh, walking trails in the uh, buffer zones. Uh, so for greenways that often run along rivers, um, that's another thing that they're already allowed to do, but with certain restrictions. So. Uh, certainly, impervious surfaces like asphalt are a concern close to rivers because of the way that uh, affects the runoff. Um, so, if you want to put on a walking trail now, there's some rules about how wide it can be, what materials you can use. Uh, this would take that all away, and you could, if you wanted to put, you know, a 30-foot wide paved trail, you probably could do that. Um, if this bill were to pass. So that's another thing the environmentalists uh, are not fans of. Uh, There's also some study provisions in there about buffers and their cost in general, which uh, appears to be something that Senator Andy Wells, who is one of the conference committee members on this, uh, has been pushing for. He thinks that buffer rules in general are what he terms veneer environmentalism that doesn't actually... Uh, benefit water quality. Um, and so he's concerned about some of the costs to property owners of not being able to uh, develop some of this land. So that's something that uh, we could see come back up in future sessions as a result of some of the uh, data that's going to be compiled under this bill. Have you heard whether, whether these are coming from disgruntled property owners who are upset about the use of their property
0: or whether it's just mostly a cost-saving uh, issue? Any word
1: on sort of w- what groups are pushing for these kinds of you know, it's a little so. harder to figure out on the buffer rules. I think a lot of this is coming from local governments that either want to uh, cut back on trees or they want to put in new trails. Uh, from the property owner standpoint, I think there are people along the Catawba River Basin uh, and particularly uh, scenic areas that want to be able to build more. And that's something that uh, Andy Wells, I think, who is from that area, is hearing from his some of his constituents.
3: Yeah, if I could jump in. Uh, the buffer thing is something that a lot of developers are really for. Um, I remember in a in a former lifetime, I used to cover uh, Chatham Park, uh, the big development over near Pittsburgh, and uh, buffers there were a huge issue. Uh, You know, I remember I had people sending me in videos of rivers that were running basically just, uh, you know, the same color as the red clay of the ground because, uh, you know, trees had been stripped away, and when you have less vegetation, that allows for the ground to erode more easily, and, you know, you just get a bunch of sand and clay and mud into the water instead of nice crystal clear rivers so but you know it also makes it easier for developers to build more houses when there are smaller buffers so that's the trade-off that you know this argument is basically uh, balancing. So this is on the governor's desk and and will you Covered
0: it when this was going through. What did he? What did the governor have to say about this? This sort of uh, mashup of all these different environmental? <laughs> you
3: behaviors? know, we haven't really heard from him on this, um, but we did hear from Darren Jackson, who on the House floor essentially promised that Cooper was going to veto this. Yeah,
1: and Cooper did put out a statement, uh, which he then re- his staff then referred me to when I asked again this week, um, calling it, um, I think a sprinkling or something of funding for Gen X tied to bad environmental legislation. So. He doesn't think the Gen X stuff is adequate, and he doesn't like the environmental provisions from the looks of it. So I think we can probably expect a veto on this one, uh, in which case uh, we'll come back up, I guess, in the October session. Uh, Easily has enough votes in the Senate. The House was a little bit closer, but uh, when they voted, I think they were missing a bunch of Republican legislators. So uh, Tim Moore, depending on who's there on what day, may have the votes he needs to do an override.
0: And so it's going to take a little, If the, assuming he the governor vetoes it, then it would take even more time for um, funding to get to the Cape Fear River, I take it. Um, right.
3: Obviously, the, the funding that they set aside around $435,000 can't go through until this bill becomes law. Um, and, you know, as, as you mentioned, Colin, the Democratic line is basically like, well, you know, we're setting aside this 430000 and they say, one, that's not enough, and two, we're giving it to the wrong groups. Uh, they're giving it to a local utilities commission down there, and also to UNC Wilmington. Um, and,
2: uh, and DEQ asked for more money, um, so it's really—I think—was it was it two point three million that DEQ wanted for this? Uh, so it's really uh, you know money, the size of the 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 the, the uh, figure, and where the money's going to.
3: Yeah, um, Cooper, or not Cooper, D, uh, DEQ's budget has been cut pretty drastically in the last six or seven years. And Cooper had asked, uh, like Lynn said, I don't remember the exact amount, but it was definitely more than $2 million, uh, to rehire some you know, people in the water quality division, um, and that money did not come through. So that was yet a, uh, a third uh, complaint uh, from the Democrats on this. And separately,
0: uh, Cooper's DEQ is taking its own action against uh, the company that's, uh, uh, was it Chemors that's, pu- that's pu- putting out Gen X? So, what Correct. happened with that?
3: Yeah, formerly DuPont, and then uh, DuPont kind of made this spin off company, Chemors, a year or two ago that now runs the plant. Um, they make Teflon down there um, on, in this plant uh, on the border of Fayetteville and Bladen County. Um, and uh, one of the Chemicals that's used in Teflon is this thing called Gen X, um, which has been linked to cancer and some other harmful effects in lab animals. Um, chemors and Dupont will tell you that that doesn't necessarily mean that it, you know, causes cancer in humans. Uh, I think at this point, no one really knows, at least not publicly. Um, but yeah, so la- uh, or this week, I, I should say we saw um, two items uh, or two actions from DEQ on this one. Uh, they sued the company, basically seeking court to force them to stop dumping this stuff into the Cape Fear River, which serves as the main drinking source from most of southeastern North Carolina. And two DEQ also said that they're uh, planning to pull their permit within about 60 days. So, um, you know, I, I think that's pretty much just covering all the bases there. Both, both the lawsuit and the pulling the permit have kind of the same Intention uh, obviously, sixty days to pull a permit is a long time, but courts also don't always move with you know lightning speed. So they probably just wanted to do both of those to ensure that you know in case one of them got held up somehow that they would have something else to fall back on.
0: And They're accusing the company of misleading in some way.
3: Correct. Kemwar um, sought permission um, back in 2010 when they first started using this chemical. Uh, you know they. They were required to let DEQ know that they were using it. And according to DEQ, the Kemores, at that time DuPont executives, uh, showed them this big presentation about how none of this stuff was ever going to get into the river. It was going to be completely contained on site. They had kind of a self-containing system to deal with all this. Um, and DEQ says, one, that's not true. They've been pumping it into the river. And two, they would have been required to tell us if they had been pumping it into the river and they never did, so that's basically uh, two two strikes against uh, Chemours there, according to DEQ. Um, I reached out to Chemours to see, you know, what they thought about all this. Have not heard back, um, but should note that they uh, they say on their website that they are committed to being environmentally friendly, and they donate a lot of money to charities in the Fayetteville area.
2: There was some criticism of. DQ at this special session. You know there were a lot of questions. Well, why aren't they doing anything? Doing anything? Sort of the the hint that um, they weren't acting fast enough. And because everything is political, um, uh, the legislators, the Republican legislators, have criticized how Cooper has handled the Gen X issue. And you know the House. I think appointed a separate commission to look at it, and we've seen you know statements from um, this Senator Berger's office, the Senate leader, about how Cooper and, and uh, DEQ are working on this. So, um, you know, it's, while it's a, a public health question, you know, there's a there's a substrat of of politics under it all. Yeah, and it's
1: funny, we've been getting uh, statements from the conservative Civitas Institute, uh, very critical of DEQ, that they think needs to be doing more uh, to go after uh, the company here, which is something you don't see every day as a, you know, Civitas uh, saying that the environmental regulator is not environmental regulating enough. Yeah, is it
0: clear what their beef is with um, DEQ about what they think they should be doing more of or um, less of?
3: I'm not sure the entirety of um, the specific Civitas claim, Uh, maybe Colin can jump in on that, but what we heard was uh, basically the word rubber stamp thrown around a lot, and you know that it hasn't just been a recent thing uh, that basically for the past 30 to 40 years uh, DEQ then Diener has basically just kind of ignored this plant and allowed it to uh, pump things into the river. Um, We've heard people say that it's not just Gen X which dates back to 2010, it you know, it dates back to the, to the early 1980s, maybe even the late 70s, um, and that DEQ has, you know, just kind yeah, of missed and Correct it. me if
1: I'm wrong. I think the reports I've read say that the DEQ knew about this water issue with uh, Gen X months before it became known to the public through a bunch of Wilmington Star News reports back in, I guess, May or June when it started to become a big news story.
3: Yeah, there's been fingers pointed at uh, both DEQ and the uh, local Public Utilities Commission, uh, which is one of the groups getting money to investigate this, which was one of the reasons why um, some Democrats, including Deb Butler from Wilmington, were angry. They said, hey, this group knew about these problems and didn't do anything about it. Why are we giving them money now to investigate it? All
1: right.
0: All right. Well, uh, for anybody who's not tired of redistricting, uh, there was some more developments on that this week as we saw the state send the new maps of state House and Senate districts to the court. And now we'll find out um, what the court has to say about it. A whole bunch of documents were dumped on the court yesterday, I believe. Uh, So we'll see uh, what is there. Um, But there was still some sparring about whether these maps were drawn appropriately. And Will, um, Jeff Jackson, uh, had some comments about uh, the public comments that they got and um, the general tone of that. He said that 99.2% of the comments were negative, I believe, or, or at least not positive. Um, so um, what's been happening? What, what did he have to say, and what were the commenters saying?
3: Yeah, so if you remember, a um, few days before the legislators voted on this, they had a public comment period. Um, there was one day when people could go to community colleges around the state, and voice their opinion, and then people could also send in uh, written comments on the General Assembly's website, and 4,300 and some odd people sent in those written comments in addition to several hundred uh, who came to the community colleges, and uh, Senator Jackson got a hold of the uh, legislature's copy of the written comments, and uh, I spent all night with the Excel spreadsheet, uh, you know, reading them and kind of... Dividing them up into positive and negative, and he says that of the 4,300, there were 38 that were positive, um, which is obviously less than one percent of the comments. Um, and I talked to him about that, and he said, "Look, you know, this isn't really surprising. This isn't, you know, an issue with two sides to it." He uh, he had a memorable quote. He called it something that was as morally complicated as bank robbery. Um, and you know, I said, "Well." you know Democrats were doing this just you know two decades ago and you know basically throughout the whole all the 1900s you know like why the why the outrage now uh you know is it just because you're not in power and he owned it he said yeah we did I couldn't complain about this if I wasn't honest about my own party's uh cheating uh he said yeah we did cheat but he also wanted to add that he thinks the Republicans are cheating harder than the Democrats ever did um he invited people who doubt that statement to go and look at the, uh, the the partisan makeup of the General Assembly, and you know, see how it uh, stacks up. Uh, he said that would uh, that would prove that the Republicans are are cheating harder. Um, Republicans have been pushing back. Um, I heard from Senator Ralph Heise, who leads the Senate's Redistricting Committee. He said, you know, this isn't even five thousand people weighing in. There's ten million people in North Carolina. You know, there, there's a lot of people whose voices haven't been heard. Um, Uh, So, and he also said, you know, look, a lot of these comments were just very broad and vague and didn't really offer any constructive criticism, even if they were critical, they were just, you know, too broad to do anything with. And he said that there were some more specific comments that they actually did see and did make changes to the maps uh, based on those comments. Uh, So, uh, you know.
0: And and in the debate over uh, who's cheating harder, you do see the Republicans some putting out some of these old Democratic maps that look more snaky and uh, things like that. So um, they've kind of been been also uh, saying, well, hey, we're keeping counties together. I think that was part of what Heiss uh, told Jews, that we're, we're doing more to keep counties together and uh, communities intact.
3: And things yeah. Like and that's that. been a big part of it. And. Uh, People who listen last week will remember me talking about uh, Phil Berger's big speech to Democrats, chastising them for not appealing to a broader base of people in more areas of the state. Um, And with the the goal of keeping counties together, um, you know, that he said that's is what is hurting Democrats. You know, if the Republicans are going to be intent on keeping these counties from being split up into two, three, even four districts, then if Democrats want more seats, they need to start winning in more counties.
1: Yeah. And that's the interesting part of this is I think. In part, the redistricting has resulted in a more polarized partisan makeup. The Democrats are more liberal. The Republicans are more conservative uh, than they were on where things were more competitive. Uh, so it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's if, if you carve up the state this way, you're going to get Democrats who might uh, be too liberal to uh, compete in a, a more moderate district. But um, that's just what the
3: lines do. Exactly.
0: Well, um, we also had three congressmen weigh in on redistricting. At least we thought we did. Uh, But it turns out we only have one congressman weighing in on redistricting in this uh, legal brief that was put before the Supreme Court uh, this week. So uh, why is it that uh, two people are saying, uh, never mind?
3: Yeah, you know, this has just been a whole big kerfuffle. Um, We had this uh, push nationally uh, from people like Arnold Schwarzenegger, John Kasich, John McCain, some more. Kind of moderate Republicans on the national stage to say, "Hey, enough with gerrymandering. Uh, we need to get rid of you know political redistricting. And there is a Supreme Court case that is about to take it up uh, uh, regarding some lines in Wisconsin. And so there was a uh, what's called a Friend of the Court brief that was sent in on that, and there, there's been many, but uh, one of them had about three dozen members of Congress on it, including three from here in North Carolina um david price democrat from chapel hill walter jones republican from out east and uh, mark meadows republican from out west so it was like wow you know here's this nice bipartisan thing that's going on you know people are agreeing on this and then lo and behold meadows says wait 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 a second i never actually meant to sign that my name was only on it accidentally um Never mind that he is quoted multiple times in the brief. Um, So, you know, he he said he had read it over for consideration, but hadn't uh, decided if he was going to sign his name on it. Were the quotes his
1: like public statements previously, or were they like fresh quotes for
3: the brief? They were not fresh quotes. They were, you know, pulled from uh, speeches that he had given or interviews that he had given. Uh, But you would imagine that, you know, if he had read it and seen himself quoted in it four or five different times. And, you know, had decided that he didn't actually want to be a part of it, then he wouldn't have signed it.
1: Yeah, and you can imagine that his office probably heard from a few Republican state legislators after this became news saying, wait a minute, are you throwing us under the bus?
0: <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> brief was
3: pretty tough.
0: Uh, it seemed <clears> through around things like being un- and gerrymandering, being undemocratic and un-American. Yeah,
3: like that. and um, yeah, and uh You know, I should note, too, before we get too far into it, that Walter Jones has also since revoked his own support um, after Meadows did. uh, You know, he he came and said, oh, yeah, me too. I also was accidentally on this. And, you know, so... You know, as I joked the other day, who among us has never, you know, accidentally signed an amicus yeah. brief for is, the is Supreme Is this Court? like that,
1: uh, that uh, credit agency uh, leak where things just are, are getting out and there's fraud everywhere, people are filing That's false amicus yeah. Maybe
0: briefs. somebody stole their identities. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: with everyone's Social Security out there, you know, you, who knows what uh, Supreme Court filings your name
3: might and Social Security number might appear on. <laughs> exactly. But um yeah, no, you, I think it definitely goes back to that old saying, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Um uh you know, Mark Meadows especially benefited from redistricting, uh the district he represents, uh used to be held by a moderate Democrat. It was, you know, a swing district. Uh, you know, before Heath Shuler, that moderate Democrat had it, it was represented by a Republican. It's a very close district now if you look at the re- election results Meadows kills the competition you know he wins by 15 20 30 points you know the past few elections so uh, you know going back to what we were talking about earlier of you know, Colin what you were saying of you know kind of pushing people to the polls you know making it just very uh, you know making all these districts very safe for either safe for Democrats safe for Republicans um, you know we've definitely seen that happen here in North Carolina um, but yeah, I, I would imagine that they, uh, both Jones and Meadows got some, some messages from some of their Republican colleagues here in the, uh, here in Raleigh at the General Assembly and said, "Hey, you know, you need to remember who draws these lines." Yeah. <laughs> we made <laughs> you a safe you seat. We can
1: easily make you an unsafe seat if you want to criticize how we draw the lines." Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, Meadows has been uh, in a, right in the center of things in DC. this week. We just had a story. Uh, from Brian Murphy in D.C. about how he uh, and others uh, in the more conservative wing of the Republican House caucus uh, are apparently talking about um, whether there's a need to uh, change leadership and uh, have some a different House speaker than Paul Ryan. Um, so um, I think Meadows will continue to be in the news. Um, Anything else before we take a break and go to Headliner of the Week? All right. Well, we'll be right back with Headliner of the Week. Please stay with us.
1: If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always... Lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau
3: of Justice Assistance and the Ad Council.
0: And welcome back to Domecast. Now it's time for Headliner of the Week, where we decide the most important or influential person, place, or thing in this week's news. Colin Campbell, who's your Headliner of the Week?
1: I'm going with a longtime figure in state government, Uh, a longtime Cabinet Agency head, uh, Dempsey Benton, who had uh, been in retirement, has now sort of resurfaced as the uh, governor's uh, main guy leading the Hurricane Matthew relief effort, which uh, almost a year in is still uh, going strong, hasn't gotten as much attention with some of the other Hurricanes coming up, but uh, he gave a report this week to the state board of transportation, uh, identifying some of the unmet needs that are still there. Uh, apparently, a, about between 450 million and 500 million in unfunded needs uh, are still seeking some sort of state or federal aid including uh, at least half the people that are uh, trying to get uh, the state either to buy out their property so that they can rebuild in a a less flood-owned location or people who do want to stay put and uh, need help uh, getting their homes or businesses uh, back in business. Uh, And Benton is the one uh, trying to coordinate as much uh, FEMA aid as possible, although it's getting harder and harder with all the uh, new disasters uh, coming along that are putting a strain on federal funding, and FEMA apparently – Uh, until the appropriations bill this week uh, was nearly out of money, and it actually uh, gone back on some of its commitments, including, I think, a pier on Oak Island uh, that was supposed to get some federal aid now is in limbo as to whether it will get it or not. So that's something uh, Dempsey Benton, uh, the former DHHS secretary, now the Hurricane czar of sorts, uh, will be working on. So he's my headliner.
0: Okay. All right. Dempsey Benton in the hat for headliner of the week as uh, Hurricane Irma bears down. Um, Will Doran, who's your headliner of the week?
3: Well, I'm going to build off uh, what you were talking about just before we went to the break, and uh, go with Mark Meadows. Uh, he has been getting obviously more and more attention these days. Um, <laughs>
0: <Like> Frederick Douglass, <laughs> <laughs> just like
3: Frederick Douglass. Um, but no, seriously, um, you know, he, like you mentioned, Jordan, he, you know, has reportedly been meeting with Steve Bannon about a potential coup of Paul Ryan. Uh, last week, there were reports that Jared Kushner was down in Asheville hosting a fundraiser or attending a fundraiser with him, um, and you know he's he's really managed to, uh, you know, take his position, you know, leading the Freedom Caucus, which is a group of around thirty or so of the most you know far right Republicans, and uh, you know, really been able to wield some outsized influence. Um, and you know, we obviously he was front and center. With healthcare debate he's been positioning himself to be front and center with uh the border debate uh saying you know you know there's a possibility of a government shutdown if we don't get money for the wall um and you see these white house officials and former white house officials flocking down here to north carolina or trying to meet up with him up in washington dc to you know kind of uh, you know get on the good side of his influence
0: okay all right, Representative Mark Meadows, of Asheville, in the hat for headliner of the week. Uh, Lynn Bonner, who's your headliner of the week?
2: I'm going to pick Hurricane Irma, uh, the thing that's consumed the news this week. It does have a political side. You know, the governor's been on uh, daily the past couple of days talking about hurricane preparedness. And uh, we know that there's a pattern when during uh, national or natural disasters, um Governors' approval ratings go up because first they're seen and they're seen as being decisive and informative, so um, there's a political connection there. And there's also in Washington a political connection with their hurricane and disaster relief. Uh, some people, um, some uh, congressmen um, vote against uh, hurricane relief. Uh, we all always see that become a, a political issue, and it appears that there are some um, congressmen in North Carolina prepared to vote against um, disaster relief connected to Hurricane Harvey. So we'll see what happens uh, with Irma. Okay,
0: Hurricane Irma in the hat for headliner of the week. Um, and uh, in uh, the hurricane relief uh, for Houston was was very political this week. Uh And in fact, going back to Mark Meadows, he uh, he was complaining, and I believe, and others uh, certainly on the right of the uh, House Republican caucus were complaining about this deal that uh, has been struck to package up hurricane aid with uh, keeping the government running or or the debt ceiling, basically. Uh, So um, I'm actually going to go with Mark Meadows. Uh, This seemed to be his week, he was everywhere. Uh, and uh, we'll see what happens with, uh, with the hurricane. We hope everybody stays safe as Irma uh, comes this way and uh, hope, that, uh, hope that it doesn't uh, get us, hope that it doesn't come anywhere near here. Um, so please stay safe out there, uh, and that's it for Domecast this week. Uh, for Lynn Bonner, Will Doran, and Colin Campbell, I'm Jordan Schrader. Uh, catch us next week.